Welcome to another edition of Rebellion Research's educational video series. We have a very exciting guest with us, uh, Transcend Air. Now, this is the airline that does not need airports, and we're going to learn all about them and how you're going to get from New York to Boston half an hour. So it sounds pretty awesome. As a seventh-generation New Yorker, I'm very excited to get on either the Wall Street helipad or the 34th Street helipad and see my brother in Boston in just half hour. So tell us about how we're going to do this. So I'm Greg Brill, CEO of Transcend Air. The uh, aircraft that we have is a uh, five-seat, five-passenger, one-pilot aircraft. Um, and we like to call it the bullet because uh, its top speed is 400 miles an hour. Wow. So it's basically uh, the other tagline that we have for it is the world's fastest helicopter. Because well, it, it, it leaves a cell in the dust. Yes, it's, it's capable of taking off vertically just like a helicopter, but then it converts into an airplane, the wing tilts, mm -hmm. and it goes uh, 400 miles an hour. So it allows us to, uh, from leaving the, the pad in uh, New York to landing on the pad in Boston in 36 minutes. Oh, that's unbelievable. And you guys think you'll have one operational within five years? Exactly. Yeah. Peter Murphy. Wow. Yeah, so I'm Peter Schmidt. I'm the co-founder and COO with Greg. Uh, you can see my virtual background is the interior of the executive VIP version of our aircraft. So not only is it really fast, it's super comfortable. I mean, this, these club seats are so far apart that, you know, if we sat across from each other, we stretched our legs out, we wouldn't even be able to touch each other. Yeah. So it's not just fast. The experience in 36 minutes, you're going to be socially distanced in the aircraft and comfortable. Uh, and, and I'd like to put out, there's a cup holder at every seat. So you can see there's a, a, a stainless steel coffee mug positioned here. Um, so, you know, the vision Greg and I had in starting this com company was that, uh, you know, air travel today has just devolved to the point where it's very painful. Yeah. Uh, and every part of it is now painful. You know, the, the seats are cramped. You've got no leg room. You've got no knee room. Getting into the seat is a pain in the well, ass. Hold on a second. As a New Yorker. I, you know, I, I, I like to take the train to Boston. So, you know, having an office uh, in Midtown, I've got to, you know, brave Midtown traffic to get to Penn Station. Yep. Then, you know, wait for my train. I mean, this is a six, seven hour door to door endeavor. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you're yeah, talking with, really with revolutionary. Yeah, with our service from you, where you are in Midtown, if you went to the 34th Street, you know, that's, that's what, you know, on a bad day, maybe that's a half an hour, right? And then 36 minutes in the air. I jogged to meet a client there once. It was very easy. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. In the office, yeah. So that, that's the point. You know, people can walk up to the heliports from their business districts. So, you know, we'll you'd be landing in Boston near uh, Post Office Square and, the, and also the, um, the newly developing um, Seaport District. Uh, you can walk to your meeting, have yeah. your meeting, turn around, get back. I mean, you can be out of your office in your meeting less than an hour later done with the meeting, back in your office, under three hours. That's phenomenal. Whole thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, and time's money. Time is money. Well, time is gonna, money, Bill. Yeah, we're gonna, take, we're gonna take that trip down from five, six hours to an hour. And it'll be comfortable. The New York to Boston is a significant hedge fund corridor. Uh, there's a lot of uh, endowment and charitable uh, assets in Boston that invest in New York funds. So I think, you know, there's a just tremendous need 
And you know, you're not talking about just going after the hedge funders. You're talking about $200 tickets here, $300 tickets. We're talking about the average Joe. That's yeah. right. The, uh, the fact is I've been doing this trip between Boston and New York for about 30 years. Uh, I have family down in uh, New York. I work up here in Boston. And I've watched as the, the trip has just taken longer and longer. It used to, uh, mm-hmm. in the good old days, take the Eastern shuttle. And mm-hmm. uh, on the Boston side, I could pull right into the terminal, walk downstairs without a ticket, get in a line and be on an aircraft and down in New York in no time. Awesome. So that's, uh, as you said, it's now the best case scenario is five hours. Um, it's just a, it's a painful trip no matter which way you do it. Uh, take a car, the train or plane. I miss Eastern Airlines. That was a that was a fun airline. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It was good. Very good. So yeah, so bringing that back, even better. I mean, this is this will be an even more comfortable experience. No. Are you guys looking to partner with you know uh, an Uber or a Blade or a NetJets eventually, uh, or would you want to stay independent uh, like the wheels up? Um, you know, is the plan eventually to have an app and then you know it's as simple as that? I mean. Where do you see this company in, in, in five years with your first, uh, you know, airplane? It's, it's more along the, the wheels up. Um, but, but really, the, uh, the key idea behind this company uh, is something that Peter and I arrived at uh, when we were not in the company together yet. Uh, Peter was working at Linear Air doing air taxi service. And many of his uh, clients were going back and forth between Boston and New York. He did a bunch of research on that market. He really air got taxi. I, I have to be honest. I'm totally ignorant of what an air taxi is. I assume it's a plane that uh, you know one rents. Yeah. So it's well. So it's it's often used for charter as a term for chartering an aircraft, but it's sort of the low end of the charter market. Gotcha. And there was a huge burst of enthusiasm in the early 2000s for this idea that you could have small, what were called very light jets. Like Pilatus. What was that? Like a Pilatus. Uh, even smaller than a Pilatus. Yeah. Yep. Pilatus. So, ah, okay. Got it. Yep. Even smaller. So uh, the idea was you could walk up to an airport, get this little jet that's waiting for you, like like a taxi waits at a cab stand. No. Right. So it's an air taxi. It's on demand. Whenever you want to go, you walk up, you go. Right. It sounded great. Turns out it's economically impossible. Gotcha. Uh, which I proved the hard way because uh, it wasn't just research. We did market testing. We did offers. You know, we spent. I spent five years learning about how people actually buy travel. And uh, it's not what you know, sort of naively think if you haven't gone out and tried to sell it to people. So yeah, so when Greg came to me with the idea of, um, hey, we, you know, I've got this VTOL concept, I wanna do something in air taxi with it. I'm like, no, you don't wanna do air taxi. What does VTOL stand for? Uh, vertical takeoff and landing, thank you. Oh. Yeah, so that's, that's the part where you know, it takes off and lands like a helicopter, but then it converts into an airplane so it can fly fast. Um, we'll talk some more about the aircraft, but you know, we actually kind of don't care about the aircraft. It's just a means to supplying this transportation benefit to people, right? Um, no, no TSA, no being stuck in traffic trying to get to a big airport. You know, you just walk up, you get on, you take off, and you fly. So yeah, your your concept is you know vertical takeoff, VTOL, uh, you know, for the consumer. Uh, that sounds like a you know. Uh, you know, why, why not partner with uh, like a Lockheed or a larger um, defense contractor to build a, or, or even like a Cessna, you know, something, you know, uh, like along those lines. Um, have you thought about such an idea? Yeah, that's a great idea. And that's exactly what we want to do. Yep. Um, 
the the other detail about Peter's experience at Linear Air was that he was uh, operating for a period of time Eclipse, very light jets. Absolutely. And this was one of the, the first and biggest uh, exciting new things in aviation back when it happened, which was the concept of having a really small jet that would allow you to change the economics of uh, personal aviation. And the idea was that there was going to be, you know, the, the sky was going to be wall to wall steel with these jets flying. And uh, that didn't turn out to be the case. And Peter can describe all the details of that. But what it did allow Peter to understand is uh, the, the economics behind this and the fact that if you want to have a, a mass market uh, product, uh, you have to have uh, the ability to keep the aircraft full. So what we would like to do, and getting back to your original question, is partner with a, an existing airframer, somebody who knows how to make airplanes, and focus on the operations piece. Because that's the piece, I think, where we bring the most to the table in terms of our backgrounds. Uh, as, as folks who have operated aircraft in these markets and understand how to keep them full so that you can keep those low ticket prices. Yeah, and so we... You know, when people see a cool little aircraft like this, they naturally assume it's only for the very wealthy because that's what they're used to. But the entire point of our business model is that this airline, uh, the door-to-door -door hard dollar spend is less than what you're spending today. Why doesn't Cessna make a VTOL, you know, just for the consumer as a consumer pleasure craft? Well, there's two parts to that question, Alexander. It's why don't they make a VTOL and what would how would you market a VTOL for consumers? Like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. So um, the VTOL part is, uh, there's been a confluence of technology developments that allow us to bring this aircraft to market now and not sooner. And so there are, as anybody who's sort of noticed the press, they've noticed there are a ton of people working on novel VTOL aircraft. Um, and a lot of that I think was simply inspired by the arrival of drones and people getting experience of multi-copter drones and going, wow, if we scaled this concept up, we could put people on it, which is true technically. Um, from an economic value proposition standpoint, very dubious, right? Um, so let me contrast our value propositions. We're telling people, and I have a model that bears this out, that's based on actual real world experience running these aircraft and doing marketing testing. It's been vetted by the head of operations for Delta and JetBlue and Cape Air. So you know, this model is as good as it gets for running an airline service. I can offer you that ticket from downtown Manhattan to Boston for $283. It's a one-way ticket. And you say, well, Peter, that's more expensive than the Delta shuttle, which is like, you know, 150 or something. And I'm like, yes, but you have to take an Uber to get to LaGuardia, get on that shuttle. And then you have to take an Uber from Logan to downtown Boston. And when you add up all three of those spends, more dollars, more like $300 that you're spending door to door. So by competing with not just the air travel ticket, but also the ground transportation that we get rid of needing with VTOL, we now have a mass market value proposition. Yeah. Right? You contrast that to what other VTOL players are, are trying to, they don't even have good business models. Like if you look at what Uber's promoting, they think you're gonna have hundreds of these aircraft flying over Manhattan at all times, full of people trying to go from point A to point B. Um, and there's lots of logistical problems with that. But the fundamental thing is, is that it's more expensive to put people in the air. 
So when you start trying to like take people to LaGuardia in a flying taxi instead of a ground taxi, it's going to cost more. And the best prices you get, you can see right now, are going to be like 150 bucks. Okay. So it's like, all right, you could spend $75 on an Uber Black, or you could spend 150 and fly there. There's not that many people who are going to spend the 150. They can't expense it. So the head of NYU's uh, wireless department told me that he thinks the best innovation from 5G will be flying cars. Will 5G go into the navigation of this VTOL ideally, or will it be completely pilot reliant? So I, the interesting thing there is a lot of the assumptions that go into that statement. Um, the best example now of people who are promoting that idea is Ehang. And the reason they're promoting it is because they don't have a pilot on board. So it's really important that they be able to communicate with that aircraft from the ground, which is where they're doing kind of all of the, the smarts for the operation here. Just so people know what Ehang is, it's, it's a two-person little pod with multiple electric propellers on the outside. So it really is like a flying drone. Gotcha. It looks, like, it looks just like a drone. So anyways, that thing <clears throat> needs very tight and consistent communication with the ground. Yes, of course. There's no pilot on board to you know, do the right thing if, if something goes wrong. So that's, I think, the biggest piece of, of the assumption there. We don't believe that the public in general will accept uh, getting into flying pods uh, for a while and, and trust them. Um, so what we're banking on is that there will be pilots in aircraft for the foreseeable future. And uh, so, so that, that I was going, can we get a virtual tour? Sure. Awesome. So, um, so I'm going to start with, obviously this is the interior of the, of the full scale aircraft. Mm -hmm. So there's one pilot seat, there's a passenger seat next to him up front. And then there's these four club seats in the back. Um, we can take five full grown stockbrokers with their roll aboard luggage and their briefcases or laptop bags, mm -hmm. put them in this aircraft and fly them you know, up to 550 miles at 400 miles an hour. Um, what I can actually use Zoom here uh, and show you what that looks like a little bit. So let's see. Um, so what you see is the aircraft hovering in front of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. Uh, this, this comes out of our full-scale simulated aircraft. So this is how we're doing a lot of the flight control development. Um, so when you talk about technology, one of the key enabling technologies for us is how software has let us as a small R&D organization do things like simulate a full-scale aircraft and develop the flight control system and the flight control laws. Mm -hmm. So there it is, climbing out, tilting its wing down. I got a duck and flying up the uh, Hudson, heading up to Boston. So that gives you an idea of what the full scale will look like someday. What we're doing right now is other than working with the flight simulator uh, on the PC, is we also build flying prototypes. So what you can see in the background there uh, with Greg is one of our uh, flying prototypes is actually, we gussied it up and put it on this pretty wooden stand um, and it gets to sit in Greg's living room right now. Um, but we are flying these fifth scale aircraft uh, to help additionally develop the flight control laws and um, concepts of operation. So Greg, why don't you go ahead and uh, I'm gonna switch to a little bit of flight video from my background. So that's the fifth scale aircraft flying and why don't you give the tour? So this is uh, 
It's powered by uh, two electric motors. There's batteries that are in the nose here. The, uh, the idea with this aircraft is that we would understand uh, the transition behavior for the aircraft. So that's, that's the focus of this. Transition being when it converts from a helicopter to an airplane and back again. This is the uh, antennas that you use to control it with the remote control transmitter. It's uh, a faithful reproduction of the full-scale aircraft. So this is called the outer mode line, the shape of the aircraft. The ONML is the same. The shape of the wing is the same. Show us the tail fan. The only difference is that this one has the motors here instead of being driven by a turbine engine in the back. That's very cool. Greg, show us the tail and the tail fan. Yeah. How long did it take you to develop this? Uh, so Greg has really led the design and development of our, our fifth scale prototype here. So this is one fifth the size of the full scale aircraft. It's about seven feet long, um, about seven and a half feet across. And, um, you know, I think that, you know, there's a couple thousand person hours into these flying prototypes. I mean, these are very sophisticated aircraft. When, when did you first start actually working on this prototype? Uh, 20, late 2017. Okay. Right, and the first flight was about a year later. Gotcha. So we've been flying it for not quite two years. Uh, and it, we've gone through several iterations as you do. You know, you fly, you learn, you crash, you fix well, let's it. Talk, let's talk about the safety of it. Uh, what happens if, uh, you know, engines fail? Ah, there's a whole engine parachute. Wow. I mean, a whole engine, a whole aircraft parachute. Uh, on both the full-sized aircraft and on our scale prototypes. Cool. So this is not a technology we developed. It was developed by a company called Ballistic Recovery Systems. Yes. Uh, and it's, been, it's been successfully sold for 20 years on the Cirrus family of light aircraft. So if any of your audience has ever flown on a Cirrus aircraft, they've flown an aircraft that has a whole airframe parachute. And it saved hundreds of lives. Uh, there's never been a serious injury in a parachute landing. Um, when it's been used properly. So we're very excited about that because- um, why, haven't, why hasn't Boeing initiated that in their 737s? Yeah, it's well engineering. So um, it, it, it's effectively impossible to equip an airliner sized aircraft with parachutes and achieve the reliability uh, that you would need in order for that to be a benefit. Gotcha. Because um, you can't just do one, you'd have to have yeah. And a 737, you'd have to have like probably 50 parachutes. Yeah. And you'd have to make sure they all operated perfectly. And that's a lot of extra weight. So what they've done, I mean, air, airliners are super, super safe. It's literally flying in, a, in an airliner is about the safest thing you can do with your day. Oh, no, no. We, you know, we've, we've chronicled the 737 MAX incidents. And, you know, what you had there was a mixture of pilots who could not fly the bird and maintenance crews who were not keeping the planes up to snuff. Did Boeing cheap out by not, you know, you know, doing better, do a better job? Uh, but at the same time, the only 737 Max simulator in all of Asia is in Singapore, and you know, Lion Air is not going to pay to have some, you know, FO flown to Singapore. You know, they're never, you know, it's never going to happen. So, you know, it was a uh, fortunately a recipe for disaster. But this is been awesome. Sorry, what? Yeah, no, unfortunately, exactly. Yeah. Well, anyway, this is, you know, Transcend Air, you guys have been awesome today. I really appreciate the time. Um, anything else before we uh, sign off here? Yeah, I just want to say that uh, 
we are to the point now where we're ready to build full-scale prototypes mm-hmm. and we're in partnership talks with uh, several airframers looking to back that. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we also are looking to syndicate that investment. So mm-hmm. given your audience, if there's anybody out there who's interested in having a conversation with us, we'd certainly welcome that. Awesome. Yes, please. Uh, and check out, uh, you guys have great websites. Everyone should check out their website. Yeah, transcend.aero and 5400.com. Awesome. Yeah, there'll be a link to it on uh, on Rebellion's page. But uh, thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I look forward to taking one of these uh, down to Wall Street one day. (laughs) Just let us know. You can be there on the launch day. Awesome. I I look forward to it. You guys are great. Have a good day.